Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> For a black church, you guys are very quiet. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. We are from every nation anyway. <laughs> so this morning, I just wanted to also uh, highlight another announcement. Victory Weekend is coming up. And for those of you who don't know, Victory Weekend is part of our discipleship process. Once you give your heart to the Lord, it is important that you get established in the truth. And there are certain foundations that are fundamental to your life. Amen? How many of you, you live in a house that has a foundation? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. If you skip the foundation, you could uh, reduce the budget of the building. But there might be consequences down the line. So it's important that you make sure that your foundations are established and solid. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, it's your responsibility. Amen. And so Victory Weekend is a place where you take... You take aside two days and you fast and you're trusting that God is going to uproot all sorts of things that hinder you in your life with God. Amen. And you come out of Victory Weekend. If you haven't been baptized in water, that's where you will get baptized in water. And you, you'll be ready to step further into the things that God has for you. Amen. So uh, please remember that and at the information table you can sign up. It's important that you do the f first four chapters of our one-to-one, -one, which is our discipleship booklet, in order that you may have an understanding concerning things such as salvation and repentance and lordship and faith and baptism, so that by the time you're doing Victory Weekend, those things are behind you and you're not asking questions that are interrupting the process. Amen. Awesome. All right, and then we're continuing this morning with our series called In Act or In Act. And the first week we did In Act and God wants us to pray. And the second week we did In Act, God wants us to give and that we partner with our resources. The Word of God says that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And sometimes you think, why isn't my heart in the things of God? It's because you're not taking your treasure and moving it into the things of the kingdom. Amen? If you uh, ask of, uh, those who have a, a girlfriend or a wife, they'll tell you that wherever the treasure goes, that's where the heart goes. If the money is moving to another lady, the heart is moving to another lady. <laughs> But we're not dealing relationships this morning. So, so it's important that you realize that a partnership in your finances is a part of what God wants to do. Amen. And this morning, we're speaking about the church and going. Now, the, the word church is, is actually from the Germanic words. It comes from kirk or kirche, right? But from the Greek and Latin side, the word is called ecclesia. And the New Testament is written in Greek. Okay? So the translators who translated the Bible, they're translating from the Greek in the New Testament and Hebrew or Aramaic in the Old Testament. And the word is ecclesia. And in Christian theology, it means a particular body of faithful people or a whole body of the faithful, which is across the world. So this would be an ecclesia or the church around the world 
collectively would be an ecclesia as well. Understand? And then in Latin, the word ecclesia means an assembly or a congregation or council, literally meaning a convocation. It also means those who are set apart to lead in a political organization. How many of you understand that the church is actually a, a, a political institution? <laughs> Let me say that again. So the church, <laughs> that's why the church is actually a political institution. If you don't know that, you are going to relate to the leader like you relate to the CEO of the golf club. How do you relate to the CEO? Okay, maybe lots of us don't play golf. Ne? <laughs> to the CEO of the soccer club or whatever. You have a very distant relationship with that individual. They must actually make provisions for your convenience. But when you are relating to a king, it's a very different relationship. So the church, the church in its essence is governmental. Jesus did not come to establish a religion. He came to bring a kingdom. A kingdom, a king and his kingdom and his government. Understood. And he left the Holy Spirit as the governor of the kingdom of God of whom you are citizens. Tell your neighbor, I've got dual citizenship. And I cannot renounce my citizenship in the kingdom for any other. All right? So your first allegiance is to the kingdom of God. This is why, this is why it might not be controversial in our political or, or governmental statehood context. But in Rome, in Rome, this was, this was similar to treason. You are saying there's another king. We have one emperor. His name is Caesar. Kaiser. Right? That emperor is the one to whom you bow. In fact, he is God on earth. Now you are saying there's another Lord. <laughs> Come and convert. You must turn yourself from worshiping Caesar and following Caesar to following Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a king. Act like it. <laughs> All right. So is the church a what or a who? Yeah, some of those who want to be, you know. It, it's, in, in terms of what we're trying to explain this morning, the church is more of a who than a what. We know from the English side it's a what also. But the who part points to the fact that the church is made out of you and I. It's a group of local believers. In the book of Acts, it speaks about the church in Jerusalem. That's in Acts 8. In Acts 13, it speaks about the church in Antioch. And in Corinthians, it refers to the, the Corinthian church, the church of Corinth. Okay? So we would be the church of? Dorado or Ventuk. Right? Okay. And it is important that you understand church because there is such a drive to see church as a convenience factor. 
for some of those of us who didn't grow up in church with a, a discipline and a habit and a, an understanding of what church is, we relate to it as an optional attendance type of thing. It is a misunderstanding. Okay. And then in Matthew 16, it speaks about how Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, speaking about the global church. And this was Jesus speaking to the apostle Peter. And at that time, his name was Simon. He said, you are now Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus is building his institution as a force that is encroaching on all the dominance of evil that is currently on the planet. Is that clear? So you are part not only of, a, of an organization, you are part of a movement of believers, of a family, of a kingdom that is encroaching in territory on the earth. All right, so where would we say is the church then? That's right. I mean, the church can be there in your apartment or in the mall. The church can be on the sidewalk reading the newspaper. It can be pushing a baby, right? It can be in the car driving, cursing out a taxi driver. <laughs> the church can be in the wrong place, dancing to the wrong music, consuming the wrong stuff. So there's no way where you can switch off your churchness. Do you understand? And that is why it's important that you realize who you are so that your conduct comes from who you are. And you're not putting something on on a Sunday like a garment that you take off and then you, you, you're something else. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the church. Even after the service. Amen. So while you're at school, while you're at university, wherever you are, in the office, the church is there. Because you are the church. So now these are the, the perceptions, the various perceptions that many have had of the church. You look, for example, at the man in the middle there at the top. I work hard to maintain this righteous expression. A stiff upper lip. Right? Or the next one on the right, it says, God just doesn't understand me. Right? Or the man at the bottom there at the right who says, nobody realizes <laughs> how much I gave up for God. Right? Very pious. That's a perspective of what the church will be. Or the lady who says, I would never have done that. Right? The self-righteous type of personality. Or... The people who wage war on others in the name of the Bible or in the name of religion. Or the one at the top who says holy things but actually has a snake in his heart. A hypocrite. And many times the world has this perception that the church is just full of hypocrites. That's why I don't want to be there. Right? I'd rather be where the real hypocrites are <laughs> outside the church than the ones who are pretending to be hypocrites, right? But regardless of all these opinions of what the church is, what determines the identity of the church is not popular opinion. It is not what society says it is, but it is what God says it is. Amen? 
And sometimes the who of the church is not so lovely. Why? Because of the way that we conduct ourselves. And this is a passage in the book of Galatians that displays that even among the apostles, there were issues. Right? Let's read together. When Cephas, who is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This is the apostle Paul speaking. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, James's church, he, used to, he, Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. And the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So what's happening here is that you find the apostle Peter, the one whom Jesus says, and you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You'll find him in a non-Jewish church with the apostle Paul, meeting with the non-Jewish people, and they're eating all sorts of things, right? That might be ceremonially unclean prawns, <laughs> mopani worms, <laughs> Right? Eating all those things. And when the religious people came from Jerusalem, which is the Jewish church, immediately he wiped his mouth and moved himself to this side and put on his prayer shawl or whatever. And the apostle Paul would not tolerate it. He called the hypocrisy in the middle of the service. <laughs> he called out the hypocrisy. And he said that you're not acting according to the gospel and you're acting as a hypocrite because of your fear of what they would say. But we know that there's only one way to be saved, and it's through Christ, not through the law. And so it would be, it would be just like, for racial reasons, I would be involved with somebody as a friend and all. But when the grandparents come to visit, then I change my approach. Right? And that was what was happening here. And sometimes we do see this kind of conduct in the church, whereas people are acting out of the way that they should. But that doesn't change the legitimacy of the church. Amen? How many of you know that Jesus has come not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous? Jesus has come not for the healthy, but for the sick. It is not the healthy you need a doctor, but those who are ill. And so the church will be full of sick people. Amen? That is appropriate. It is really the place where God has brought people in to be redeemed through Christ. Amen? And sometimes when we have our self-righteous judgmental approach, we don't realize that we're actually still the, the people who also have issues that God is still dealing with. Mm. <laughs> amen? If you've got issues, say Amen? Mm -hmm. right? Why? You've got to first be able to acknowledge your situation before you will take part of the medicine. Amen. And so the question is, should we meet? If the church is spread out, I take the church wherever I am. I'm at home in my bed. The church is sleeping. Right? I'm still the church. The church is still alive. The church is walking around. What is the value in this, in the congregation, in the meeting together? And this, was, this happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out and the Apostle Peter preached the gospel. 
And many people from different nations were in Israel at that time. And they heard the gospel being preached. And they heard the apostles speaking and praising God in different languages. And this is what happened in verse 41 of Acts 2. It says, so those who received the word were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So the church is not meant to be such a distant, uh, separated entity. It is, it is supposed to be united. When you're not here, there's a part of us missing. When you're not in your connect, there's a part of us missing. And we'll get to that. But it is important that you realize that the early church, they devoted themselves it was not something that was based on convenience. Tell your, tell your neighbor, prioritize based on your values. So what you prioritize will be demonstrated by what you do regardless of your excuses. It's not a matter of what you excuse. It's a matter of what you prioritize. And what you prioritize will show. And it is so key that we realize that if we are going to be the body of Christ in its expression, in its full expression, we need to be able to have those of us who have come to Christ, who are devoted to Jesus, to be part of the fellowship. Amen? So it's important that we come together, one, to encourage one another. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25 speaks about how as we see the day of Jesus Christ return approaching, let us not neglect... The gathering together, and then it adds, as some are in the habit of doing. Just look at your neighbor. <laughs> right? So even in those days, fresh after Jesus ascended, there were some who were in the habit of avoiding the fellowship and the gathering of the believers. Okay? It says, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I'm telling you, ahead are not easy times, but those who are united will stand. You've heard the analogy, or the Bri analogy, if you take a coal outside of the rest of the fire, what will happen to it? It will die. Then you ask yourself, I don't know why all of a sudden I'm having weird dreams. I don't know why all of a sudden I'm not feeling like being in the Word anymore. It's because you are not in the heat. You are not in the fire. Amen? You, in fact, you are in some other cold water, icy situation there with the wrong company. Amen? Be not deceived. Evil communications or bad company corrupts good morals. Even if you say, no, I'm different. <laughs> I've got a certain special gift not to be able to be corrupted. You are like a coal that says, I can heat up by myself. It doesn't work. Amen? I, I remember I, I grew up in a family where church was a priority. And it was in the generation where, you know, you don't back chat, you don't give your opinion, you don't, you know. <laughs> it's just, uh, huh? You don't have an opinion, eh? 
You just do what you are told, praise God and amen, otherwise there will be consequences. And grew up with such a value for church. But what really helped me was I, when I personalized it. When my parents were no longer around, it became my value. I don't recall not being in church except if I'm traveling. I don't recall being at home and this church happening. And I'm doing what? Watching soccer. Sleeping. I have my future to craft. God has a destiny for me. I cannot be there while others are receiving grace from God for their blessed futures. Amen? Come rain or shine if I have to walk or whatnot. It's a value because I understand who I am. Amen? So then, to pray and to worship together. I really thank you for, for our, our music team that is here. You know? They did such an excellent job. You know what time they were here this morning? They have to be here at 7. You know what time you have to wake up <laughs> to be here at 7? At 6. <laughs> Otherwise, your breath will not be anointed. <laughs> you have to be at 6. And I remember the other time when I was joining them, I realized, my goodness. <laughs> Especially this service, you know, the 10.30 service. It's so convenient, you know. You wake up when the Holy Spirit begins to move upon you, and you're like, yes, Lord. <laughs> This is the day that you have made. And you come and uh, the, everything is ready and you just come and you sit and, na, 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 and you're just enjoying. But there are others who have come way before you to set things up. Amen. We come together to worship the one and only God. Together. Not apart. Together. To pray together. And to receive teaching together. Let me, let me say this. I'm telling you, there is a river flowing, two rivers. There's a river of life that is flowing in one direction. And there is a river of death flowing in the other direction. And you have to be in the house of the Lord to receive an impartation that will be able to put you on the river that is flowing towards life. Because if you don't, you will automatically be flowing towards death. There's so much coming through the radio, through television, through conversations. Death, death, death. Fear, fear, anxiety, anxiety, negativity. And you have to be at least once a week <laughs> for an hour, 45 minutes, half an hour, to hear something encouraging from the throne of God. I hope you're reading your Bible. I hope you're attending Connect to be able to build yourself up. Amen? To fellowship, to get to know one another. Look at the person next to you. They are your sister or your brother. A real, real sister and real brother because you have the same father. Now imagine you sit every Sunday with your real sibling. And you never even say, hi, what is your name actually? <laughs> Let me just ask. And it is something that we have sometimes over-spiritualized. Just ask the person their name. Find out where they work, if they do work, if they don't. You get to know family. Amen? And some of us, we're quick in, and then as they say, let us stand for the blessing. <laughs> quick to leave so that, one, I can benefit from exiting before everyone uh, disrupts the parking. And secondly, because I don't want to talk to anyone in this family. Amen? 
Tell your neighbor, iron sharpens iron. iron, iron. Alright? If you want to grow spiritually, don't isolate yourself. The, books, the, the book of Proverbs says, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire and is on his way to destruction. Okay? If you want destruction, come, I will explain to you how to get it. Huh? <laughs> Don't do it haphazardly. I didn't know destruction was coming. I will tell you the steps to destruction is one. <laughs> isolate yourself, then X, Y, Z. No, don't isolate yourself. Even if people offend you. Why? Because that offense becomes a test for you to mature. How will you be offended there by TBN? <laughs> and bless God for TBN. They are doing good work. <laughs> And then, and then to bring hope. We've already spoken about that. And then to be hands and feet. It says good religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans. Yeah? We do it together, right? As a body, somebody will do that part. Someone else will do this part. How will you do all the things that God is expecting the body of Christ to do by yourself on your own? No one can pull himself by the shoelaces up. You have to be elevated. In your time of struggle, in your time of pain, who is there to help you? Who is there to encourage you? I'm reminded um, of so many stories, but what is freshest, when my wife was in the north last year for, for a couple of months with the medical school, you know, doing what the Lord has called her to do. And uh, I was here at home with the little ones doing what the Lord has called me. <laughs> to do it was people in this church that said i will cook for you guys on tuesdays and thursdays it was people in this church it was family i will never eat food <laughs> that is cooked by some strangers <laughs> amen a spiritual family that said oh you can drop the children off when you need to go to the prayer meetings or whatever it was spiritual family it was spiritual family that was patient enough to have the children running around while the prayer meeting is going on, understanding that this is family. And you? <laughs> when your wife is in the north, who will, who will cook for you? <laughs> who will help you? It's very practical. The Bible says even in the, in the ex-church, they sold their belongings. So that no one would lack. We are not even at that level. We sometimes stumble at the, oh, I have to give a transport ride to this person, you know. <laughs> yeah? I have to spend my petrol on my sister or my brother. Right? It inconveniences you, but it's because you have a misunderstanding of spiritual family. Tell your neighbor and say to church, it's you. How does... God, how does the Bible describe the church? It says that we are the bride. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 28, it says, Husbands, love your wives, seek the highest good for her, and surround her with a caring and unselfish love, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word of God, so that in turn he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything, but that she would be wholly set apart for God and blameless. When God looks at his church, who does he see? His bride. Not his soldiers. As much as there's an element of warfare, 
he sees a warrior bride. Amen? So when you are pointing your finger at churches, oh, the churches, the churches, the churches, why don't the churches, you are one pointing a finger at yourself and you are pointing a finger at somebody's wife. If you are a husband, just spit on the floor. Amen? You are very offended by anybody that would want to come and bring accusations against your wife. If you love her. <laughs> Which I hope you do. <laughs> Wives just look straight. Amen? So we don't pull accusations against the church. Amen? You have not heard it here. Okay? If another church is busy with nonsense, let's go to them. Let's not be on Facebook putting, you know, greetings in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> this morning's post is with regards to so and so. No. Like the Apostle Paul, he called Peter out in front of everyone. Go there if you care so much. And say, can I have a moment with you? God sent me to you to set things right. It's my calling or whatever it is. Amen? Don't come and spread your gossip here. Don't bring it at the connect. Spreading your gossip. At the, you know this other church. Don't spread your gossips here. Amen? And many times it's false accusations. Based on some article that you read on some other website. Written by the devil. And you are the marketing department of hell. <laughs> huh? Without commission, you are doing it for free. So be careful how you speak against the church. If you want to help the church, go to them. Be a better believer. Hit the streets. Reach out to the, to, to the lost. Begin to take care of the poor. Begin to do the work that the church would have done. Amen. How does the, the Bible describe the church? This is in the book of Peter. This is tremendous. But you are a chosen race. The word is generation. Generation is from the genes. It means that you were born as a homo sapiens. Ne? Meaning your species. <laughs> okay. Your species as a human being. Right? The genetic code that you have is a human genetic code. But it says here that you are a chosen generation. You are a new creation. You are a different people. A different type of human being. And you are a royal priesthood. What did the priests do? They are the only ones who are allowed to enter into the house of God. To the very, very holy place to make sacrifices and interact with God. This is your privilege. And you are not only a priest, but you are also regal. You are royal. You see the governmental element of it. But many Christians are not living like this. They are living like you are just a forgiven sinner. And the wrath of God is like this. Any moment about to fall on you. No. You are a chosen generation, a chosen race, 
a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, meaning you are set apart, a special people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies and the wonderful deeds and the virtues and the perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are set apart and distinguished in the earth so that you can begin to display who God is in his full majesty. And God could have asked angels to do that, but it would have been inadequate. Only you are special enough, the way that your testimony reads and how you've been redeemed out of darkness. Only you can express the perspective of who God is, the way that God wants it done. Only through the church. Amen? That's why you cannot be ashamed of the gospel. We are portraying great virtue into the earth. So consider this. You are the light of the world. Imagine being born in darkness, pitch bell, darkness, being raised in darkness, and living in darkness. Imagine maybe this front row here. Grew up in darkness, never ever uh, together as siblings, Grew up in darkness, never ever saw what the other one looks like. Never ever understood what light looks like. These are, are the ones who are in darkness. They, they don't know. If you have to explain to them what is light, how, how do you explain light to someone? In the same way, you were in darkness. And Christ saved you and rescued you out of darkness into light. Now it is your privilege to not only try and explain light, you must show it to them. And the moment that you put the lights on, their interaction begins to be completely new. Wow, I didn't know your eyes were so beautiful. You are my friend for so many. There are certain things that you will never perceive concerning what life should be until you give your life to Christ. Because while you are in darkness, everything is confusing. But once the light of Christ dawns on you, you begin to see even light in his light. This is why we must go to the ends of the earth. We must take the, the gospel of the forgiveness of sins and the gospel of the justification by faith because of what Christ has done to everyone that we know. It is not a religious recruitment. It is a switching on of the lights. Romans 12, verse 4 and 5. It says, for just as one physical body, we have many parts, and these parts do not all have the same function or special use. So we, who are many, are nevertheless one body in Christ, and individually we are parts of one another, mutually dependent on each other. So you must realize that if you're part of the body, your contribution counts. I was talking to my wife the other night about the kidneys. You know what a kidney is, no? The kidneys here at the back, the invisible part here that makes sure that your blood is, is clean, that filters your entire system. She was explaining to me how detailed it is the process and what the body does, puts in and takes out of your blood and all of that. I was so fascinated. And did you, any of you give your body permission this morning to do that process? 
You don't even know it's happening. It is just doing its work. If it stops happening, your life will be completely turned around. And that is just the kidneys. There are so many systems throughout your body that is operating without your knowledge. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you don't even realize that you are just walking around as if walking around is walking around. <laughs> and walking around is not just walking around. It is a billion systems that are happening simultaneously in split seconds. Right? To make sure that that smile comes out right. <laughs> now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But if it is, God, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. And all, if all were a single member, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts here to one body. Now, if you are our heart, my goodness... <laughs> if the heart decides to sleep for a few seconds, it affects the whole body goes into crisis. You are like, yeah, but that's your part to play. I'm not a ear. <laughs> and it is so crucial that you realize that you are valuable in the kingdom of God. Malcolm was sharing in the previous service about Daniel. And Daniel is here, you know, worshiping the Lord and leading worship in praying, you know. And he, he might be a mouth for all intents and purposes. He's the mouth of the body, right? But there is somebody that is the kidney of the body that nobody is paying attention to. But if that kidney stops working, Daniel here cannot talk anything. Amen. Do you see this? It is not a selfish view of me as a, as a kidney. I operate on my own. No, you need to realize that you are part of a living organism. It says that we are members of Christ. We are his body parts. It says we are bone of his bones. Flesh of his flesh. It says that, that we are the branches and he is the tree. The same life that is flowing in Christ today is the life that is permeating and pulsating through his body. And we have, we have really brought it down to just an organization. Not anymore. Tell your neighbor, not anymore. I have heard the truth finally. <laughs> so what do you need to do? First of all, you must be born again. Otherwise, you are not part of the body of Christ. You've heard the analogy. If you are born in McDonald's, it does not make you a cheeseburger. Amen? Even if you spend all your time in McDonald's, it does not make you a cheeseburger. If you were born in a garage, it does not make you an AMG V6. <laughs> Just because you were in church for decades... And your family has a pew with their name on it. And you have tithed to the building. 
does not make you part of the body of Christ. That's why you must be born again. This kingdom is only by birth. You cannot come in through your green card. <laughs> you cannot marry in. You can only become part of the kingdom of God by birth. Tell your neighbor, I'm a child of God. <laughs> by birth. I hope you are. So you must be born again. Then you get connected. We've got connect groups that we're always talking about, right? You get connected in the relationships. And then you begin to grow. You do your one-to-one your, your -one discipleship. You do your victory weekend. You begin to take part in Bible school. You begin to mature. As you begin to mature, and then you begin to serve. You join the worship team, you join the outreach team, you join the children's church that take care of 120 kids every Sunday. You join whichever ministry, you join. You don't say, oh, I'm waiting for the pastor himself to come to my house <laughs> and to tell me on his knees that he really needs me. Yeah, We need surgery in that part of the body. Amen. You need to realize that as a passive member of the body, you are dysfunctional. We need a strong injection of adrenaline in that part of the body. Amen? And many of us are not serving because we just don't know what to do. How many of you have seen an usher this morning? Not the singer. <laughs> the ones who carry around whatever needs to be carried around. The ones who pack the chairs. You could have been an usher. <laughs> Maybe I'm like, no, I want to sing, Pastor. I want to sing. But you can't sing, my brother. <laughs> Let me just stand at the back and sing from my heart. No. Every part of the body will have its place and location. Eh? The heart is to serve. No, but if I'm not on stage, then I'm not going to pack chairs. Okay. Continue. Right? It is important. Everyone that's here, and let's not be hearers of the word this morning and not do it. Please, the information table is there. And we are running out of time, doctor. But I have to make sure this comes through. Yeah? If you are here, every, every Sunday you are here enjoying and you are sitting. <laughs> it is so entertaining every Sunday. <laughs> you know, and then you are crying. Oh, I'm so moved by, you know, whatever and all of Enjoying. Then afterwards, after you've eaten everything, it's like, ah, ah. Thank you. <laughs> and then you are out. <laughs> Don't be like that. Amen. If you are spiritually young, we are, okay, it's okay. We are raising you. But if you've been here for longer than six months, that body part needs to begin to, amen. And then after that, you begin to lead. Tell your neighbor, you are born to lead. Why do I say that? Jesus doesn't say you are a leader. He says you are the light of the world. When you switch on the light, that is where everyone will come to. Amen. As part of this process, you know, today it's unpopular for us to correct people in church. Did you know that? People just want to be tickled in church. In Jesus' name. <laughs> they just want to be tickled in church. But some of us 
need to give our lives and submit our lives to somebody in a small group where we can say, you are out of line, my brother. You cannot talk like that to your wife. You are out of line, my brother. You need to pay your taxes. You are out of line, my brother. You need to get a job. You are out of line, my brother. You need to trust God in this area. And what happens when you do that in church nowadays? <laughs> I'll be at the other church next Sunday, you know. <laughs> Ready to eat and then say, <laughs> I've gotten my fill. Amen. So the church is a community of believers. It's a community that helps each other grow. And it's a community that's called to go and make disciples. It says in, in, we are finishing now, in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, or <laughs> Niger, <laughs> Lucius of uh, Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up. There was hip-hop music in the early church, I think. <laughs> and um, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And so after they would fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And this is a beautiful picture of the church together, you know. Those doing what they need to do. Those who are leading, lead well. Those who serve, serve well. Those who are generous, are generous well. Those who counsel, are counseling well. Those who are leading, connect, are leading well. Because we are not doing it for men. We are doing it for the Almighty God. We are an extension of His body. Amen? And every nation, Dorado, is part of a worldwide family of churches and ministries. We exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation around the world. This is what you are part of. Amen? Whatever you do, that God will bless you in your work and in your family so that you may be a blessing to his body. Amen? Amen? Let us stand. This morning as we pray, let's begin to thank God for our community of believers and thank God for the church that you have, the leaders you have, the friends that you have. And let's begin to, to really honor God and obey God. Let's trust God that he will begin to turn our lives around, our perspective, so that we're making an impact. That we'll always be united in fulfilling God's purpose in the earth. And let's pray that the gospel will continue to be preached and that more disciples would be made in the church. Amen. So right where you are, just begin to lift up your, your voice to the Lord and begin to thank him in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. We honor you, God. We honor you, Lord Jesus. You are the head of the church, Lord God. You are the king of the kingdom, Lord God. We humble ourselves this morning, Lord God. We recognize that it's not about us, Lord God. It's not about our will, Lord God. That you've rescued us for a purpose, Lord God. You've rescued us for a mission, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that we'll begin to mature, Lord God. Begin to experience your grace. Begin to experience your blessing. Begin to experience your plan for our lives, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. In the areas where we are not serving, that we'll resolve today, Lord God. That we'll become active participants of the body, Lord God. That we'll make our contribution, Lord God. Because of everything that you've done for us, Lord. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. If you are here this morning, the Word of God says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave Him as a sacrifice so that whosoever believes in Jesus will not go to hell, will not perish, but will have eternal life. Because God did not send His Son to condemn sinners, but that sinners will be saved through Him. If you are here this morning and you are not born again, you have not made the decision to follow Christ and to give your all to Him, to receive Him as your Lord and Master and your Savior, this morning I want to give you an opportunity before we leave. So if that's you, just raise your hand. Raise your hand, wave to me. We're going to pray with you. And you're going to give your heart to Jesus Christ this morning. Is there anyone like that this morning? You want to give your life to Christ. You haven't done that before. You're here this morning. You feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And you want to make a commit commitment to Christ this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. All right. So if you're here, you're still in the process of that, please see us after the service. Don't leave this opportunity. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Yeah, you might not have an opportunity. If you hear his voice, today is the day of salvation. Amen. Raise your hands to the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May he cause his hand to be strong upon your life. May he hear all your prayers. And may he answer you from his holy temple. May you experience great favor and grace in your workplaces in your families, in your homes, in your marriages. May your children be blessed. May your health be preserved. May your finances prosper. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that every single person here, Lord, as we leave, Lord, that they'll experience so much of your revelation this week, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.